Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the USF Health Morsani College of Medicine Alumni Society podcast. I am doing a series on tips and tricks around choice of residency, choice of specialty, match, whatever tips we can glean from some of our alumni and friends who have gone through that process. So I'm very lucky today to have with me Allie Wells. And Allie, I'm going to let you introduce yourself so that the uh, facts are correct. And then we're going to talk a little bit about your journey through a change in specialty decision that you had to make. So I'll let you take it from here. Sure. Thank you. I'm really excited to be on this podcast. I have been through the match a couple times at this point, actually. So I do um, think this is a great opportunity for me to share some of the tips that I've gleaned along the way. But I graduated in 2020, had initially applied to an OBGYN residency and did not match with that cycle, did a year in Dr. Lockwood's lab to prepare myself for the next attempt at an OBGYN application, did match with the 2021 cycle, um, did part of my intern year and then realized along the way that actually that was not the specialty that was for me. I really decided that internal medicine would have been a better fit. So I'm back at USF right now, teaching all levels of doctoring, doing a couple other things within the Department of uh, Medical Education and reapplying internal medicine this year. So it's it's been a, a wild ride. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's it's been a journey, that's <laughs> for sure. So when you didn't match the first time, um, I know there's a process, you know, called SOAP that people are familiar with, mm -hmm. and it sounds like your path took you to a research year. Can you talk a little bit about kind of what that was like and how that how that kind of came about and the decision making process that may be helpful for others who might, you know, might find themselves in that circumstance? Sure. So I initially went through the first round of SOAP. I applied to all of the OBGYN prelim positions that were available, did some interviews, but didn't end up receiving uh, one of those prelim positions. And I had reached out to all of my OBGYN mentors prior to going through that prelim interview process. And essentially, having talked to Dr. Lockwood, he said, you know, you're born to be an OBGYN. I don't want you to feel like you have to choose to go pursue another specialty. We don't really know what happened with your application, but we'll get it right the second time. You should come work in my lab. I had had no lab experience prior to that. And I, there wasn't really a lot of decision-making at that point, honestly. I really thought that I wanted to pursue OBGYN and I was devastated to be in that position. So to have him offer that to me, I felt like that was like the lifeline that I needed to take. I didn't really put very much other thought into like, is a lab year a good idea for me? Should I be pursuing a different specialty? It was just so much of a shock. And I think that I wish I had been more prepared for that as a possibility, having to go through soap. So maybe I would have had a little bit more put a little bit more thought into what I decided to do, but hindsight's 2020. It always is. And sometimes your hindsight being 2020 can help someone else's foresight be mm -hmm. 
you know, a little bit, maybe 2040 instead of 2020. (laughs) Very good. So um, I'm assuming that was a good year for you. Did you enjoy it? And did it, did it influence you in other ways that were unexpected to you? So I think I had initially gone into medical school thinking I wanted to do GYN oncology, but being able to do some research in high risk OB, um, since Dr. Lockwood does so much work on like preterm birth, preeclampsia, a lot of studying of the placentas that come out of TGH. I started thinking maybe I wanted to do maternal fetal medicine or high risk OB. Uh, I think it was also a really valuable year for me to kind of grow as a person in confidence. I think that having gone straight through college to medical school, I there was probably a lot of maturing that needed to happen. I don't think anything professionally challenging had happened to me until that moment. So I am grateful for it, but um, I, I think the maturing is definitely something that was important. And it didn't push you to want to be a PhD physician oh, scientist. Not. Yeah, no, it, it did not. Um, that had pretty much never crossed my mind. And I, if you ask anyone in his lab, I was not very good at what it was that I was doing. The number of times <laughs> I had to redo things, I am very grateful for their patience, but that was not my calling. Yeah, not, not a good fit. I, I can relate to that. Wouldn't be mine either, I don't think. So So what was the, what was the process and what was it like to go through MATCH the second time? Was it different than when you were coming out of medical school? Was there anything you had to think about or do differently? So for me, it was completely different. When I had interviewed for the 2020 match, everything was in person. So I had had to fly to all of those sites in order to do those interviews. For the second time around, needing to overcome the fact that I hadn't matched the first time um, and with everything being virtual, I applied to so many more places, ended up interviewing so many other places. And it was very strange because I couldn't some, some days I'd have two interviews in one day and I was having a hard time remembering different details about how the residents interacted with each other just because it was so much mm-hmm. that I really wish that I had had the opportunity to go to these places in person and get to have a feel for how the residents interacted with each other. I really felt like I missed that the second time around. Yeah, and you know, I, I'm not sure that much has changed mm-hmm. in that regard. I think the students now are are definitely continuing those virtual mm-hmm. um, interviews. And I know there are programs that are doing meet and greets to try to give you give the students an opportunity. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, having having that perspective now, is there anything in particular looking back that even aside from wishing you could have done it in person, mm-hmm. but anything else that you say, oh hey, if I had known I would have taken notes differently or I would have done anything differently just by virtue of the fact that it was virtual? I think I would have taken more advantage of like reaching out to some of the residents that I could have some connection with um, and try to get more of their impression of what it was like for them transitioning from medical school to their intern year. Try to see if I could get to know one or two of them from the meet and greet a little more as a person. Mm -hmm to see if they could give me a little bit more insight into what the program was like. Yeah, and I've heard a a couple of other tips just to add to that, and you may or may not have have thought about it, but Mm -hmm. one of the students I talked to said she actually paid attention to who who was kind of on the road 
with her from other, even from other medical schools, other students. And she would reach out to them and say, Hey, what, what were your thoughts about that? Did you, did you notice this or did you pick up on anything that I may not have picked up on? So using her fellow student interviewees to get some perspective too. I think that's a really good idea. Yeah. She thought that was pretty helpful. So, and she did exactly what you're saying, you know, trying to connect with some of the residents, um, and see just if you could get to know a little bit more about the culture mm-hmm. is the training, albeit nuanced and different at different programs, perhaps different areas of expertise. Some may be better in maternal fetal, some may be better in something else, but overall your training is going to be somewhat similar across programs. It kind of does come down to a lot of that sense of culture and fit, which is really hard to get at when you're doing something virtually. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it's also important to pay attention to how many of the residents are represented when you do these virtual meet and greets, because if it's only maybe 15, 20%, that's a little bit concerning for, you know, how engaged the remaining residents are in determining what their next class is going to look like, or, you know, they may be too busy. Yeah, that's a really good point. And asking if you get a chance to talk to the few who did show up, what what they may be be willing to tell you about the why behind mm-hmm. you know the turnout. That's a really good point. So, you, I know you applied to many more programs the second time, and we're going to get to you know your decision to change specialties. But just thinking about you know giving the audience different perspectives. Um, was there anything in the application process that you had to somehow flag? You know, did you get questions about why are you applying a second time or did you feel that that made it less difficult, more difficult, made no difference at all? I think it made it both less difficult and more difficult. I I knew that that was going to be something that was going to be asked. So essentially my personal statement, the very first line I started talking about, I didn't match. And this is kind of our thought process about why. I feel like every single interview that I did, every person within that interview day wanted to talk about why I didn't match. So I ended up saying the same thing. I kid you not a hundred (laughs) times over the course of that interview process. So having, being able to have that spiel ready I think made it easier because I knew that was going to be a question that I would have to ask. But I think I no longer got asked why OBGYN. It was why didn't you match? Mm -hmm. And I wish that they had asked that follow-up question. Like, do you still want to do OBGYN? And maybe having been prodded that way, I might've started to be a little bit more honest with myself. Because while I was in the lab, I was starting to feel really guilty about not being involved in healthcare while the pandemic was really at its worst. Mm. And I think that is definitely something that has influenced my decision that, you know, I could have been a warm body, an intern somewhere, not necessarily being effective, but I wasn't effective in the lab anyway. So. Yeah, that's, that is an interesting thought, actually. You know, I, I think, I'm doing some coaching with students now and, you know, asking questions 
and trying to stay away from being an advice monster and really just mm-hmm. challenge each student to to really think about the why behind their their decisions and really sort of explore that and self reflect. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that done earlier for you might have might have pushed you in one way, one direction or another. Maybe not, but um, I think sometimes we're not ready for those things, and it mm-hmm. it'll happen when you when you're actually ready. So let's. Um, Let's sort of move now to you obviously matched the second time around. Yes. And started that, you know, started that program. What was happening that, you know, internally as you were sort of starting that intern year and thinking about where you had landed, not program specifically, but just specialty and, you know, you as a person, what, what was the journey to a change in specialty like and how did that come about? So I think I, st- I, when I moved up to North Carolina, I was feeling satisfied that I had overcome the hurdle of not having matched the first time, but I'm not sure that I was truly feeling excited about being an OBGYN. Mm-hmm. And I know that my friends noticed this, but I think some of that residual, like feeling guilt about not having been involved in the pandemic may have been there. But I didn't start to feel like OBGYN was the wrong choice for me until my first full rotation. So we had like six weeks of hopping from one small rotation within OBGYN to another. And then our first full month-long rotation, I actually was on emergency medicine, the only off-service rotation we had as first years. And I had so much fun. Like the most fun I had had when I was in North Carolina. So that was a little bit of a red flag for me because I had gone into that rotation and I told those attendings, your interns are fresh, I'm fresh, just treat me like one of your interns. I just want to be as useful to you as I possibly can. And they let me intubate, they let me participate in like the traumas that were coming in. I had a really good time. And then talking to my co-interns from my OB class who went through that afterwards, they hated that rotation wanted nothing to do with any of it. And they, they essentially were asking me like, what's wrong with you? Why do you, why did you like that rotation so much? <laughs> You're like, well, huh, this is a good question. And I need to go home and think about that. Right. And <laughs> I knew that I didn't want to do emergency medicine. Cause I felt like I still wanted to know what was going on with the patient after they got out of the ED, um, like more of the rest of their hospital course. And I would follow a number of the patients that I had seen to the ED and admitted, but I think just over the course of my time on labor and delivery, I started to feel more and more burnt out. And mm-hmm. at my essentially mid-year feedback with my program director, he said, you know, you're meeting your intern milestones, but the light that I saw behind your eyes when, we, when I interviewed you, it's gone you used to be so excited about the student-run free clinics that you were involved with while you were at USF. You were so excited about teaching medical students, and now you're, you know, you're doing the work, but you just don't seem like that enthusiastic person that you were when I interviewed mm-hmm. you. Doesn't seem to be bringing you the same joy. Mm-mm. Yeah, he said I had no spark of joy anymore. So, I there's a part of me that feels, Allie, like you are so fortunate that you were able to recognize, realize, and make what I I can only imagine must have been a very difficult decision to make, given that you'd been through two rounds to try to match an OBE. So 
how did you ultimately process it and and make the decision so to change? I, I'm extremely grateful to that program director because I don't know if I would have started that thought process without him giving me that permission by saying, like, I'm concerned that you're not happy anymore. And he asked me, like, what specialty do you think you'd be happiest in? And he brought up experiences that I had talked about in my interview, like talking about Tampa Bay Street Medicine, talking about Bridge Clinic, that Mm -hmm. he thought that maybe I would be happier taking care of all, all patients, um, mm-hmm, not just mm-hmm. female pregnant patients, but that I seem to be really interested in complex medical care, being able to manage everything that's going on with the patient, all organ systems, like even aspects of their social life. And that I may have thought that I could achieve that with GYN oncology or maternal fetal medicine, but I should have been looking for a specialty that you know, if I just come out of residency and I'm a like general internist, that I should have been happy doing completion of the residency, not having to do an additional three-year fellowship in order to like find the thing that would make me happy. Yeah. And I guess, you know, to your point earlier about 2020 hindsight, it, it, it may now seem obvious that that's the should, but right. I, I, you know, I, I don't necessarily think it's easy to see that when you're when you're in the midst of you know what can feel like a storm of, right. of trying to you know make decisions so when you look back now that you have this perspective you know you've got that that very clear retrospectoscope i call it <laughs> um and thinking about others that may be in the process of thinking about their specialty are there is there anything you can identify historically that you wish you had listened to something that your little voice was telling you or something that others may have said to you, anything that, you know, it's like pay attention to those signals. If, mm-hmm. if you can see them now. I would say that through all of my rotations in third year, I would enjoy many aspects of what was going on with the rotation, but I kept saying to myself, like, I could try to incorporate this into my practices in OBGYN rather than saying, actually, this is the thing that you enjoy and you should be doing this, not trying to make OB fit into a mold than what it actually is. And I think that I, part of it is kind of like this sunk cost fallacy. I had started doing research in OBGYN, particularly GYN oncology when I was a freshman in college. I got very lucky with the mentor I got paired with to do research. And part of that is because both my parents are OBGYNs, but I got exposed very early to what I thought was going to be what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And I think that having gone into medical school with like blinders on, I wasn't able to appreciate what really was a better fit for me, what was a good fit for my personality, what was a good fit for me intellectually. And I I just wish that I had been a little bit more open-minded going through that process. And there were mentors who had said to me, I think, you know, maybe internal medicine is a better fit for you. Maybe pediatrics is a better fit for you. Maybe family medicine is a better fit for you. And I just I think I was just too stubborn. Mm-hmm. 
Well, too stubborn. And I mean, that's, that's a trap that is so easy for us to fall into. Um, I actually changed specialties too. Mm -hmm. I was convinced I wanted to do family medicine because I had an uncle that was a general practitioner and I just thought it was so cool that he, he took care of his patients from literally birth to, you know, their elder years. And I just thought that was the neatest thing. And when I got into family medicine, I realized, hmm, probably not going to practice OB and deliver mm -hmm. babies. Pediatrics, I wasn't good at it. They didn't, the kids really didn't like me and I, I was afraid of them. And <laughs> I feel that. You know, so I, yeah. So I'm going to end up in adult medicine. And I had done some ID stuff in my fourth year that I really loved, but I was so far down that family medicine path. I wasn't going to change. And guess what? I did kind of what you did. I switched, you know, during my intern year, I, I decided, nope, this is not this. I've got to, I got to change. So it happens. And I think your willingness to share your story and, and be open and honest about it is, is super helpful to people. And that point you made about open-mindedness, mm -hmm. you know, I have so many first-year students that are so convinced they know what they want to do. And maybe that's true, but boy, I encourage them to, you know, pay attention to your little, the little voice that's trying mm -hmm. to, you know, and those folks that sometimes people see you di all, always differently than we see ourselves, but certainly right. they see, they see things that you can't identify in yourself. And sometimes listening to that's pretty important too, <laughs> you know, but I'm just really happy you, you were able to make the decision and make the change. So I know you're sort of in a, in a gap time, you know, yes. doing some teaching and that sort of thing. So what, and we're getting close to time, but I want to mm -hmm. kind of wrap it up a little bit with what is the process for you now? And how does it look this time around? Is it going to be the same sort of process of applying and interviewing? Or is there some other process for, for what's going on now for you? So I'm going through the whole thing a third time, fresh. I will be applying with this current match cycle uh, mm -hmm. to be an intern in internal medicine. And I think some of it is the same in that I'm going to have to explain the quote red flags in my application that, you know, I had graduated in 2020 that I didn't match the first time and why we're doing this a third time, why I didn't move laterally and take an intern position in March around the time that I decided to leave my program. Um, I think having to explain that red flag, I'm nervous about, but I, I will just be honest that I was devastated that I was wrong about my specialty decision and that I really very much consider my professional identity to be closely tied with my personal identity. And I just needed time to be able to mm -hmm. process that I had gotten it wrong. And I wanted to be a hundred percent sure that I was applying into the right specialty because this is, this is my last chance. But I think, also being honest that, you know, I needed to take care of my own mental health. I think that if I was not ready to apply this time around, that it would not be good for any program that I ended up at or to the patients that I'd be taking care of if I wasn't taking care of myself. But I do think that having been through all of this, I just want to share that it's fine 
to make the wrong decision, you, you can come out of it. Okay. Like I do feel stronger and so much more certain in what it is that I've decided to do because of the journey that I've taken. But I think there's so much pressure to get it right the first time. And that's just not the reality. We should be able to change our minds if we feel like it's not a good fit because you can't make yourself miserable because if, I don't know, if you're like me and so attached to the idea of like being able to completely take care of patients and have this emotional connection with them, if you're not emotionally invested in what you're doing, then it's not healthy for you or for your patients. Yep. And you're going to be doing it in theory for, you know, many, many years. Right. you know, it's in some ways, Allie, I don't think it's any different than other aspects of our life where we're careful and purposeful about surrounding ourselves with people that bring out the best in us Mm -hmm. or, you know, being focused on making sure that we're doing what we need to do to take care of our mental health. I mean, it's all part of a package and you are so right. If you're if there's no joy and passion in what you're doing, you're, you're probably not going to do it well. And people are going to know your program director picked up on it, mm-hmm. right? Oh, absolutely. Probably, yeah, and probably not unique in, in his or her ability to do that. So mm-hmm. I'm just really happy that you've landed where you've landed. And I think you are going to be an amazing physician. Well, you are an amazing physician, but you're, you're going to be even more amazing because of the cumulative experience that you bring to the table. And if programs can't see that, if they can't see the strength that that brings and the opportunity for them as a program for you to be a role model, then that's probably not a good fit for you either. Well, thank you. That's about to make me cry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I believe it to be true. So anyway, um, we definitely are at time, but I want to give you a chance. Is there, you know, any last points you want to make or, or anything before we, before we close it out? Um, I, I'm just very grateful to have been able to land back at USF in this year in between residencies. And I think that USF is a really special place and I'm very grateful to the mentors and the relationships that I have here. And I think being able to fully take advantage of those mentorships, those relationships, I think will help me land where I'm supposed to be. So I hope that students who are applying really do lean on their mentors because I that it's an invaluable resource and we're extremely lucky to have the faculty that we do here. Wonderful last words. Thank you, Allie. Thanks for taking the time with me today. And I'm so happy that I got to reconnect because I'm pretty sure we met when you were a student. We did. But we met through TBSM. That's right. That's right. So, but it's really nice to reconnect. And I, it's, it's, you know, my pleasure to see you in doctoring every Tuesday. And I'll miss you when you're not doing that next year. Oh, maybe you'll you. be somewhere else. But anyway, thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. If you have ideas for future podcasts, or if you would like to be a guest, please let me know at Valerie, V-A-L-E-R-I-E, 25, at usf.edu. Thank you so much for listening.